Hello and welcome, Duck fans. Where and whenever you're watching or listening, this is the Once a Duck podcast where we bring you up to date with current and former University of Oregon athletes and give you never before heard stories about your favorite teams and moments in duck history. I'm Nick Cody, former Duck offensive lineman. Let me know if you're listening on Twitter at JustFollow61. And to my left, as always, the trusty and sure-handed slot receiver and co-host of this show, Sam Tidrick-Schmidt. And you can find him at Samuel101TS. Sam, it was a great way to kick off the football season with a win. Uh, where were you watching the game at? Well, hi, Nick. How are you doing? I'm glad to, glad to see you back here for another episode. I know one of these days you're just going to vanish and it's going to be me here holding this whole thing up with one hand, but we'll see what happens. Uh, I watched the game with a couple of friends of mine, a couple of people that I know have been very COVID safe. We've kind of included ourselves in our own little bubble here. So no, we are not part of the problem and part of why you're not going to games in Eugene. We're trying to do our part the best we can. But we sat down, we watched the game, we enjoyed it. And I took notes on it. Uh, he laughed at me. He thought it was silly for me to take notes on it. But, hey, I'm using these today. We're talking about it. We're going to get into it. Oregon versus Stanford. What a game it was. It was a fun way to come back from a long hiatus. Yeah, absolutely. And after such a long wait, uh, you know, it, it didn't disappoint. There were a lot of surprises. Uh, a lot of things we had talked about on the podcast came true. And it's definitely certainly weird without the fans in the stands. And uh, while we've all had to try and find our ways to cope and watch and find new routines, uh, you know, we, we've just really enjoyed everybody coming on, uh, making the podcast a part of their routine this season into game week. We had a ton of listens and watches uh, over 150, even before kickoff. Uh, it just blew my mind, uh, the support. But before we go back into recapping the game, uh, as we're continuing this season, I've got another life manual quote about attitude. And this week, we're keeping it short and sweet with our first road game. Um, weakness of attitude becomes weakness of character. That's from Albert Einstein, Sam. He's, he's a pretty smart guy. I don't know if he was a scholar baller, but he was, he was pretty smart from what I understand. I don't know if he reaches those lofty standards, Nick, but uh, he, he, had a, he had a good head on his shoulders. He knew what he was talking about a little bit. Absolutely. And to, to have a good head on your shoulders is really important when you're playing Stanford, particularly at the quarterback position. And as we saw from Tyler Shuck in that game uh, quite a few times uh, early on, he, he made a couple, particularly on the read option we saw. Uh, in, in Oregon's new offensive schemes, which certain things were very familiar, but we got to see the quarterback run the ball a lot more. And uh, a couple times very early, it looked like Tyler was a little hesitant to kind of pull the ball and run. But once he did, man, it felt really felt like the offense was kind of gelling. Oregon looked very comfortable. And I must say, as somebody who's grown up watching Oregon, I also feel very comfortable seeing the quarterback run the ball. It's something that I enjoy seeing. It's something that I think that they're going to enjoy using throughout the entirety of the year based off its effectiveness against Stanford. I think that it was the type of play that you want to see a young quarterback make. I like that he's got the moxie. He's got the attitude to want to take that ball, tuck it, and take off for a few yards. I really like it. Did he figure out how to slide progressively throughout the game? Yes, he did. And I was also very glad to see that. Very glad to see him run out of bounds a few times. But overall, I really enjoyed seeing that aspect of Shuck's game. There's stuff that we'll get to later that we know needs to be improved. But for right now, I think that we are comfortable in saying what we think he did really well. And one thing that I thought he did really well, amongst some others, was no one to tuck the ball and run it. And he was able to pick up big gains when he did. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he had a couple of mistakes. I think we'll circle back to those. We'll talk about him a little bit later, but there are tons of new faces that we're going to have to talk about. Uh, a lot of, uh, big moments, particularly from young guys like, uh, Noah Sewell. We'll talk about him for sure. But, uh, who are some guys that really stood out to you, Sam? Well, I can tell you, I've got a short list here in front of me of guys that I thought were really impressive. Number one, I'm going to start with Mikhail Wright. Mikhail Wright got picked on all game long. Diamador Lenore, another guy that I've got written down here, did such a good job of shutting down a whole side of the field that it felt like that Stanford was definitely taking some shots at Mikhail Wright. They were trying to see what the young sophomore could do, and he did not disappoint. He had a couple of mistakes early on, but then he had the big bat down in the, in the first half. And later on in the game, he completely shut down the end zone on a drive for Stanford, forcing them to take a field goal, which, spoiler warning, they missed. He did a really fantastic job all game. I thought he was tackling well. I thought he did a good job in coverage. And he did one of my favorite things in seeing a corner do, and that's he consistently got his head around. He was consistently looking to spot the ball, and he did a very good job in coverage throughout the game. Another guy I was really impressed with was DJ Johnson. I, among with other Duck fans, probably didn't know exactly what to expect when we saw big number 89 starting on Saturday night, but he did not disappoint. He picked up several different grabs, several yards. He got a touchdown. He had some big game plays. And also his run blocking was fantastic. I know that's something that you were probably looking at, but I thought he did a really good job along the offensive line using that big body to create space. He was somebody who I thought was super impressive. Now, Nick, I would like to be able to talk offensive line, but I know that I'm not going to be able to come close to breaking it down the same way you will. So why don't you tell people about a couple of the guys that you definitely had your eye on throughout this game, specifically at that position. Yeah. Uh, you know, from what I saw, I, and I, my eyes always gravitate, particularly the right guard, right tackle. So um, I ended up seeing a great, uh, a lot, a lot of really great stuff happening up front. Uh, the run game was real solid all day, and Verdell had some big holes to run through because uh, guys like Forsyth, uh, Walk, and congratulations, a guy that just earned a scholarship and then is out there balling and then named one of the Pac-12 uh, Offensive Linemen of the Week and in the nation, getting that recognition, you know, as, as a guy that just, uh, you know, we talked to Rob Beard last week, what it's like to earn that scholarship and that path, and uh, it is definitely not easy as an offensive lineman, so much credit to him. He played a fantastic game. And then Sala, I really liked, uh, particularly a couple times I saw him at the right tackle spot. Um, and it made me wonder how I ever locked down that position, the way he was able to get up, particularly the second level defenders and just kind of blow them up. I mean, he overwhelmed division one linebackers that, you know, uh, Stanford is pretty tough on the inside, you know, you're going to go play linebacker at Stanford, particularly with the offensive linemen they develop and they had some studs, you know, if you're going to go with those guys in practice every day, you don't get pushed around too often. And uh, we were, we were really physical up front. I think uh, we could see a little bit more finish. We've heard uh, crystal ball today in a Monday's press conference, kind of talking a little bit about uh, some of the improvement we can see there to finishing plays and uh, being, you know, a, a little more sound in, in our technique and honing it. But, you know, guys, guys look to gel pretty good. And I saw six guys in there rotating around different positions, but uh, that, and, and, and as you said, DJ uh, coming over from the defensive line really provided a spark, not just in the passing game, but you could see he was really helping our tight ends in the run game. As it seems, you know, uh, our tight ends this year are, are going to be limited due to injury. And uh, we've got a lot of guys that are going to be bodies back there, not just to catch passes, but to really throw some nasty blocks. DJ, who you just mentioned, he actually led the team in receiving five receptions, 55 yards. That's an 11-yard per reception average, people. 
a touchdown. He had a long 26. He absolutely balled out. Another guy who I want to mention really quick before we move on, Johnny Johnson the third. Four receptions, 60 yards. It's 15 average. But what I found most impressive was his attitude. He looked like a leader out there. He looked like a vocal leader. He looked like somebody who was directing players where to go a little bit at times. He looked like he's definitely stepped up. It's his senior season, possibly his last with the program. Maybe he comes back next year. Maybe he doesn't. Everybody gets that extra year with the COVID season. But he looked like a great leader out there. That was something that I was really excited to see. Definitely. Uh, He's someone that for years, you know, you've been kind of waiting to break out. There's been moments where you kind of thought, hey, he could go off and and take the top off the defense at any moment in a game. And uh, for him to really stretch the field in this game was important. And, you know, there, there are a lot of real good highlight plays, but yeah, it's really important to have that leadership. Another guy I really saw that out of was uh, Die, of course, uh, Travis Die, kind of leading in brother's footsteps of being a real vocal leader for the team. You can see every time there's a big play that maybe not even he's making, but he's one of the first guys to congratulate people and get people fired up, and that's huge. Another guy to get fired up about, and I got to talk about, is Noah Sewell, man. We've got a lot of linebackers this year, but and I know people are really excited to see him, particularly the incoming freshman, Justin Flo also, but... Noah Sewell, you knew based on Panay, he was going to be a beast, but uh, he came out with the, you know, I think everybody now is that's a Duck fan has seen the the replay highlights of the the German suplex straight up pro wrestling style and uh, him blowing up the uh, the the Stanford Center into last season. I mean that that those two plays right there uh, for a college incoming true freshman to do as particularly in a shortened season. I mean, he, he could be a real special one, Sam. He could absolutely be a real special one. Four total tackles, all four of them were, all, excuse me, all four of them were solo. He had one tackle for loss. He looked incredible. And even when he wasn't making tackles, he was doing exactly what he said. He was blowing up the offensive line. He was being an absolute menace out there. They put him into the game early, and I think for a good reason. I think because Oregon was struggling to stop the run, I think that's something that Noah Sewell might specialize in for a little while. He is really, really good at stepping up into that hole and creating contact, creating a tackle. He's fantastic at it. We saw the WWE moves he was able to pull out, but as impressive as that is, I think it's more impressive what he was doing to the offensive line the entire time. This is a guy who is 18 years old, I believe. He is very, very young, very, very green. That was his first college football game, for Christ's sake. You know what that means? That means that this guy's going to do nothing but improve, and I'm so excited to watch it. Yeah, it's awesome. A lot of young guys got their first real opportunity, and and Tyler Shuck in his first opportunity to start and lead this team. Uh, you know, let, let, let's just talk about how impressive he was first and foremost. I thought uh, with everything going on, particularly when you hear uh, coming into the game that Stanford's not going to have their starting quarterback, their first string receiver. Um, it's real important as the quarterback to take um, – control of the energy in the room and, and remind everybody that, you know, that doesn't mean there's any pass on the football field. And I think we saw right away, Stanford came out and uh, executed their game plan in the run game pretty perfectly. Their offensive line up front really had me nervous on that front drive. They were getting a lot of push up front, uh, getting their, their running back up to the second level. And, and, you know, they're, they're busting out some pretty sizable runs and keeping the chains moving. Um, thankfully, you know, the, uh, the field goal kicker left uh, four kicks out there or I think we might be uh, a little less confident in the final outcome of this game. But 
Uh, Shuck, I think the one thing, if we can critique, we do need to talk about ball security. And that gets me a little bit nervous because for being realistic, um, you know, Shuck uh, could have had a couple picks there that, uh, you know, could have been just the first game of the season, uh, could have been an, a nervous energy, nobody in the stands. But, uh, you know, th those things can really hurt you, particularly going on the road uh, in a tough place like Pullman this week. Yeah, you mentioned it. Tyler Shuck, he had one interception. He had a touchdown. He probably could have had two more interceptions, two more that definitely went off the hands of DBs and linebackers. 17 of 26, 227 yards. That's an 8.7 average. A touchdown, as we mentioned. And then on the ground, 11 rushes, 85 yards, 7.7 .7 average. Another touchdown, one of the more impressive plays of the night. I think that Tyler Shuck did a lot of good. He did some not so good as well. But I think that it's kind of expected out of a first start expected out of a first game you have a really long layoff you have to jump start the program again get everything moving you're thrown out there there's not a whole lot of there's probably a lot more talk internally but there's not a whole lot of talk amongst fans at least about having an understanding of really who the starter was going to be there's a reason why there was an or on the depth chart but you come out there you play your game as i said 227 yards a touchdown Really not bad. Just got to be able to make sure you're not putting the ball in those risky positions, which he was doing. And if he cleans that up, I think that Oregon's going to be in decent shape moving forward. Yeah, and we talked about it a little bit in our last podcast. And, you know, they're, they, they released the uh, organizational chart on Monday for, for this week for Wazoo, still with the or. And, uh, you know, like we said, I think that's important. I don't think that's a, to confuse the teams so much as uh, for preparation's sake, even though it is an option. Uh, I do believe that they are confident that they do have two guys that could probably go out there and get it done. But I think when you have a quarterback that's out there playing confident, uh, you know, you want to keep that on a roll, keep his leadership intact, and uh, especially make sure, you know, as, as you go down this shortened season where you have very little room you want to make sure that uh, the team can get behind it and, and rally behind him, particularly, you know, for this season when we get down to the road uh, at Cal and uh, here at Wazoo this upcoming week. Absolutely. And playing on the road is never going to be a simple thing, especially for a young player. Nick, I know you've got some experience playing on the road. You've definitely got some experience playing up at Wazoo. You did it at least once back in 2010. The 2012 game was moved to Seattle, Washington, because uh, I believe they were just doing a promotional game in Seattle at the time. I'm not sure that it was for any stadium renovation purposes. But talk a little bit about that experience being on the road. What is it like, especially for a young player, to have to step up into that position of now you're not doing it where you're comfortable. You have to do it in a foreign environment. Yeah, well, uh, I was trying to think back on how I was going to tackle this question in particular. And uh a very important thing is my first road game was at Boise State. So remember, there's there's nothing normal about my first true road game. Uh, that that was quite a wild one. Um, I, I think the biggest thing uh, to take in mind this year is that road trips are going to be different than they've ever been with COVID in 2020. Uh, it's going to be real important. As we saw with Stanford, uh, each team is going to handle kind of these uh, these announcements differently. Uh, some teams even are going, you know, they're going to wait till the last minute. Uh, Coach Rolovich, you know, said uh, they had 20 plus players unavailable for Wazoo down at Oregon State last week. 
So there's just, there's so much unexpected about when you're traveling on the road, who's going to be available. Um, there's so many circumstances that you try to mitigate before you get there that uh, there's lots of things that can happen already as a football team on the road, when you have to have hotel housing transport, you know, for, 50 plus guys and all the coaches and training staff, it's already crazy enough when you don't have a pandemic going on. So I want to reiterate that first and foremost. Another thing that I'm not sure how they're going to be dealing with this year is for student athletes, you still have the obligation of classes on Friday. So going back through, we have the uh, always important uh, Oregon academic class absence sheet. So this was, uh, this was something a lot of people don't think about, student-athletes having to go around, communicate with your teachers, particularly with those Friday travels. Um, and, you know, with everything being digital now, I, I have to imagine that that could be easier, that maybe some evening classes uh, that can't be moved or something you might be able to do from the hotel. But, um, you know, it, it's just a crazy world we live in right now. So first and foremost, to get that out of the way, who knows what could happen. But when you're traveling as a football team, it's very important to have a routine. You've already built in your system, what it's going to be like on game week, what it's going to be like Friday night as you're going through meetings, Saturday morning as you're going through breakfast, and then, you know, all your pregame routines, your walkthroughs, uh, you know, going through and having uh, clap sessions for us back in the days, which is where you'd line up everybody, uh, call some basic plays, and then just clap, point to your position where you're going to go. Just, it wasn't anything too crazy, but everybody was on the same page and united in a single activity. So keeping to your routine is very important. Not letting outside distractions filter into your team is just it's so difficult particularly on the road but you have to imagine that there's going to be far less fans so um, some distractions are going to be eliminated naturally there's not going to be having to deal with that crowd noise but uh, anytime you go into unfamiliar territory particularly November for your first road game uh, it's got to be really really crazy because uh, you know you that's just unheard of that's that's new territory for everyone this year and you mentioned the time of year. It's going to be November, not just a normal November, though. It's going to be November in Pullman, Washington. That is not going to be comfortable for anybody. They're already saying Saturday, 50% chance of, uh, 50% chance of snow the day before and the day after. Winds on Saturday itself. Probably going to be sleet, some frozen rain. It's not going to be fun to play in. It's going to be a difficult, difficult environment. It's an environment that you had to face one time. I've been up there for games before, but as you said, no fans. It's going to be a different type of game for sure for Oregon. Yeah, and I one of the things I definitely remember from my trip up there is that that trip from their visiting locker room back to the field was one hell of a walk, particularly if you had any kind of uh, any, any knee or a, a ankle kind of bang ups like we offensive linemen typically did, uh, you know, walking along that concrete on, on, on the way back to locker room. And that was always miserable, but especially when it was real cold. Um, yeah, getting down to the temperature, it's going to be crazy. I think the important thing, like we stressed, is ball security, not just from the quarterback position, but uh, like we saw from uh, TD Leakio. Uh, you know, there's a, there's, there can just be fumbles just from, uh, awkward positions, you know, trying to make a move at the wrong time. Ball security is going to be huge going into this game. Uh, it's going to be more important to try and secure the football than to try and make a big play on the road. I think that's, that's something to really keep in mind. And I think, 
uh, at least for Oregon's mentality that they've established going into this game that we saw against Stanford. I like our chances if we secure the ball. I think uh, we're going to be able to at least consistently fit up in the run game. I think we're going to be able to at least on defense get a lot more pressure on their young quarterback uh, for Washington State than Oregon State did. And, you know, I think hopefully if we can secure the football and just be patient with our offense uh, and, and continue to be tenacious on defense, uh, I think, think we've got a good chance to pull off our first road win this season. Here's a little trivia question for you, Nick. When was the last time Oregon won up at Washington State? Oh, man, it's been a while. I'm, I'm having trouble remembering. It, well, technically, so it can't be my senior year because, like you said, we played them in Seattle. I think that's just a promotional thing they do every now and then. I think they pick one game a year. They, they played in the Seahawks stadium. But uh, let's see then if it wasn't that. Uh, 2014 was probably the last time, right? 2014 was the last time. This was a Marcus Mariota affair, 21 of 25. 329 yards and five touchdowns for him. This was a game where he was absolutely getting rattled the entire game. Washington State players were all around him. He was having a tough time being protected. This was back when Oregon had a lot of injuries along that offensive line that season, especially early on in the year. It's been a while since Oregon's gotten a win up there. The last time Oregon played at Washington State, I actually went there. It was 2018. Game day was in town. It was a terrific atmosphere, terrific environment, terrific people were up there. Unfortunately, it didn't go the Ducks' way. It was a very sobering affair. Washington came out early, took a big lead. Oregon tried to take a bite out of it in the second half, but unfortunately weren't quite able to do enough. I think that this year is the opportunity for Oregon to turn that around. They have the kind of team that I think can weather such an environment. I think that Oregon does need to protect the ball, as you said and is going to have to be careful. But they are dealing with a Washington State team that is dealing with a whole lot of turnover, a whole lot of change, a freshman quarterback, a coach in his first year. I think that if Oregon comes out and plays their ball game, plays it the way they want to, they're able to lock down on defense and they're able to run the ball down the Cougars' throat, Oregon's going to get a victory. Yeah, and, and you know, it really did feel like in those Mike Leach years that there was some about our defense that just – had real matchup problems with that that air raid offense. And as we saw against Oregon State, whether it was because of the limitations they had in players that could end up traveling and participate in the game, or if it was just the offense they want to move forward with, with this young true freshman quarterback, uh, you know, it, it, it was Washington's, a Washington State team that we really haven't seen. And it made me feel a lot better going into this game, knowing that it, we won't be seeing that, that Mike Leach air raid anymore. But what we did see had a lot of balance. I think it's going to be very hard to prepare for with just one week of game tape. Uh, obviously, probably going to go back and look at a lot, a lot of Coach Rolovich's film in Hawaii. But I thought it was really interesting to see uh, – such a balanced offense from Washington State, particularly with their their starting running back out. Um, and, you know, to be honest, aside from looking a little shaky early, which you expect from a true freshman, I thought their quarterback, Jaden DeLora, was pretty good. Um, he's not what you're used to seeing. You're used to seeing a guy that's going to stand back there in the pocket and uh, pick people apart for – uh, all over the place, but and throw to every single receiver you can imagine. But this this game was a lot, whole lot different from Wazoo, and I think uh, Oregon fans that didn't get to catch it are going to be surprised on Saturday. Delora is a very familiar type of guy, and I think he's a type of guy that Oregon fans might find a little bit familiar as well. Number one, he went to St. Louis 
in Hawaii. He's another one of those guys, a long lineage of quarterbacks out of there. Against Oregon State, 18 of 33, 227 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. It wasn't perfect on the day by any means, but looked really sharp at times. Also running the ball. When was the last time you heard about a Washington State quarterback who reliably ran the ball consistently? Eight carries, 43 yards, and a touchdown for Delora. I think that this is a guy who is potentially really, really interesting in the Pac-12 for a long time to come. I think that he is somebody who could have a really good career. And if Rolovich's system is able to work up there in Washington State, I think that he's somebody who could be contesting for a whole lot of positioning as far as better quarterbacks are concerned in the Pac-12 in the upcoming seasons. Yeah, and it's really hard to evaluate from just one week of film, uh, you know, particularly against Oregon State, where it's hard to tell exactly where the Beavers are right now. Um, but, the, you know, uh, even on defense, uh, Wazoo had some moments where they really came out and frustrated the Beavers offense, even though uh, I believe the Beavers ended up coming out with uh, an edge in passing yardage. I, I think for, you know, they got a couple sacks, I, I, they got some pressure. And they really gave uh, the offensive line there, which for Washington State has really improved over the past couple of years. They gave them a couple of fits, or Oregon State that's really improved over the past couple of years, gave them a lot of fits. Uh, I think that one of the things that's going to be really key in this game, besides just um, in terms of you know the players on the field, I think in terms of coaching and scheme, I think it's going to be very important to keep things very, very simple on the road, particularly, uh, you know, when even when we played that game in Seattle, I lost my shoe for a second. Weird stuff happens on the road. Your equipment guys got to figure out why the hell the shoe came off. You know, you find out one of those shoelace straps broke. You got to get a whole new shoelace on there. Weird stuff can happen on the road. Someone might have to go in and get their very first playing time. Keeping play calling very simple, communication um, short, sweet to the point, especially with a lot of young guys. It's going to be really important. As we saw in 2018, um, thankfully crowd noise won't be a huge factor this this time, um, unless you know they have some crazy illegal speakers that we aren't aware of. But uh, the the crowd noise won't be a factor because we saw in 2018 that that, that immediately came out and hurt our offense and, and kind of shot us in the foot. It absolutely did. I was in that environment and it was so loud. It was so impressive, honestly, but it really did hinder the Oregon offense tremendously. I think that this is going to be a game and I know we're going to get to our keys and official predictions near the end of the show. But what I will say is that when you look at the game between Oregon state and Washington state, there's a couple of places where Washington state definitely gave up quite a bit. It was passing yards to the air and then it was specifically rushing touchdowns, but also just on the ground. Jamar Jefferson had a big game. Definitely going to revisit that when it comes to giving our keys to the game a little later on. Yeah, and also just things, you know, coming off that Stanford game, uh, you know, I, I think our predict my prediction at least last week was pretty close on uh, offensive scores. But one thing I was wrong about, so we got to get more special teams in there, Sam. I want some special team scores this season. And uh, we did have uh, – uh, obviously all field goal kickers were having a crazy time in Autzen stadium on Saturday night, but I want to see some special team scores and, uh, you know, continue to see our special teams coverage go out there and, and play hard and, and, and not only just uh, cover people, but, but physically impose themselves on other teams. And I'm really glad you brought up coverage because it's something that I forgot to talk about when we were talking about the Oregon Stanford game, but kickoff coverage was not very good. They were consistently getting the ball at the 30-yard line. That's not what you want at all if you're the defense. I think that that's something that Oregon's really going to have to clean up throughout the season. I think this is going to be a great opportunity to do that up in the Palouse. 
Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the, the other things that you're going to have to clean up, you know, uh, offensive line at least didn't have any penalties uh, other than the ineligible man downfield. But that's on the quarterback. There's a lot of decisions that a quarterback has to make, particularly in this offense, that we see things happen very quickly. Uh, and, and if there's any kind of miscommunications, uh, the quarterback has to think and react very, very quickly to particularly with some of these zone read pull-outs. Um, and even the passing game off that we saw a bunch of RPOs that were really successful. I believe uh, DJ's touchdown uh, looked like an RPO, um, but schematically you have to make really quick and, and informed decisions right away. You have to know where everyone is on the defense. You have to know what your counts are, particularly with, uh, you know, to where your offensive line is working on the backside so that, you know, not only is your zone read guy covered for, but, you know, if you have a pitch man, if you have another option, if a safety steps up and you start seeing zone blitz on the backside, you need to be able to very quickly make those communications to your team because your clock to play clock's going to be running down. You know, the refs on the road are never going to never going to help you out at all, especially in the Pac-12. So uh, there's so many things that that the team can still tighten up. But, hey, it's the first game of the season. Uh, we got to keep reminding ourselves of that. But I'm excited to see what this young team can do. And, uh, you know, uh, excited to see if Tyler Shuck can take uh, his, his impressive game and just keep it going on the road and keep it developing. I think all Duck fans are hoping for the same thing, just to see that development continue and to see this Oregon team continue to grow. You mentioned something there. You mentioned how we did just see the first game. I'm very interested in a first of yours, Nick, especially a first that has to do with the Washington State Cougars. Well, let's see. Uh, my first offer uh, from a D1 school, I had a couple D2 offers and some schools that were interested, but my first official D1 offer was from Wazoo. Uh, and uh, we had to actually look up before the show who the coach was. It was Bill Doba, right? Yep, <laughs> Doba. Because uh, all I really remember was most of my communication through text was with the offensive coordinator, Mike Levenseller. So uh, Doba wasn't really as hands-on with the offense. Uh, and I remember I didn't even – I don't think I really visited uh, Pullman. I know I'd been to Pullman plenty uh, a couple times in high school for different camps and stuff or, you know, well, at least not plenty, but enough to know I didn't want to go to college there. Uh, plenty of people from my high school did. Um you know, and it, it just wasn't a school that interested me, and particularly in football at the time, uh, was on a, a, a kind of downturn. And in my time in college, uh, you know, uh, Dobo was replaced by Paul Wolf, I believe, and that, that was a that was a really tough time for Wazoo fans. I know everybody that went to my high school that was a Wazoo fan had a real hard time with those games when I was in college because it never seemed like the team was that competitive. Uh, particularly going into those games with us. So uh, all those alums from my high school, shout out to you. And uh, uh, you guys got the best of us for a couple years here, but um, don't get used to it. Don't get used to it at all. Oregon played Washington State in a great game last season, 37 to 35. We're going to get into our official predictions in a little bit. But before we do that, we've got a guest, Nick. We've got a great guest. Yeah, and you know, I, we've been wanting to get kind of a, a a big name for a while. We've had a couple lined up, but I think this is truly our biggest and best guest so far. And uh, you know, what better position to do that at than the quarterback position, right? Absolutely. Just get the, just get the face of the program on here. 
he definitely was the face of the program for a while in the late 90s, and I think is definitely one of the guys that people still reflect on as one of the greats to do it in an Oregon uniform. Yeah, absolutely. And and even someone when I was coming up and just becoming aware of college football that I remember when he was first picked by the Cincinnati Bengals, just what a big deal that was in the community. So it's very exciting. Uh, we, we hope you are as, as excited as we are to have on former Duck, Achilles Smith. Joining us now, we're very excited and honored to have one of the first quarterbacks to really start an awesome trend that we're seeing now at Oregon of first-round draft picks, Achilles Smith. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you guys for having me. Um, anytime it's something to do with the Ducks, you guys feel free to contact me. I love my Ducks like we all do, and uh, I would definitely make myself available. Appreciate it. And, you know, we're coming off our first game of the 2020 season. We just saw the yeah. Ducks play Stanford. Uh, what do you feel about that game? How do you feel about us coming out with the win and uh, kind of starting the season with uh, an empty Autzen Stadium in November? Yeah, I think that helped Stanford a little bit. Um, it, it didn't help the kicker. Thank God he missed four field goals. But um, I had to put something on my Twitter page today because, you know, there's some people that's complaining about we could have been more dominant and, boy, we barely escaped or, you know, they're saying a lot of different things, but they got to understand Stanford's been giving us fits for the last seven or eight years. So for us to, to win by that margin um, for Tyler uh, to go out there and play well, uh, he didn't play real, real good, but he played well enough to win the game. I, I think we're off to a great start. You mentioned Tyler a little bit. We all know that uh, something you do currently is you work with quarterbacks. What did you specifically mm -hmm. see from him that you liked and then something that you think he needs to improve on moving into the next game? Well, the, the biggest thing is that um, the stage wasn't too big for him. And again, there were no fans there. So that's going to help a young quarterback with his first career start and getting into a second uh, career start where you can just kind of settle in a little bit. You don't have to deal with all the crowd noise. You're not looking up there for your parents or maybe your girlfriend or anything like that. But um, his balance looked good. His footwork looked good. He's got plenty of arm strength. He had command of the offense. So I feel pretty good about Tyler uh, playing quarterback. And we got another backup quarterback um, in Anthony Brown, who I had an opportunity to work with when he came out here to San Diego. Uh, he can make all the throws, too. So I feel good about our quarterback position. Achille, on this show, we love to talk about everyone's unique path to Oregon. And before you were in Tyler's position out there, you had a very unique, uh, you know, transition to becoming a duck. But even before that, you were drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates in baseball. What was that experience like? Yeah, that, that was an ultimate blessing, you know, and, and baseball was my dad's dream. You know, he did some things that he shouldn't have, shouldn't have done. He ended up getting locked up in a penitentiary. And then when he got out of jail, like any other dad, they were vicariously living uh, through me and through their child. And I was chasing his dream. But um, it was a great experience to play two and a half years of minor league baseball and then get back to football. Um, I, I hate to say that I was a failure, but my heart was not into baseball. And that's how I ended up back into football. You ended up back in football. You Ended up at Oregon eventually, but you took the JUCO route to get there. The JUCO route is different for everybody, but tell us a little bit about what your JUCO experience meant to you. Yeah, junior college is not easy, you know, and you, you, you're you going to always find yourself in situations where you got to make the right decision because you have a lot of free time. 
And, you know, we did some things uh, in junior college, like everybody does uh, in college, when you have an opportunity uh, to be away from home. But um, too many people look down on junior college like it's just the end of the world. No, it's not. You can go to junior college, get bigger, stronger, faster in that years, and then you can still transfer with three to play two. You know, the narrative that's being pushed is that if you go to Juco out of high school, that you're a failure. Um, people need to really change that narrative and look at the benefits of going that route. What was it like for you, the transition from San Diego to Eugene? We know Eugene was much different back then. Uh, we know the yeah. Mishovsky Center was just getting built, a uh, completely yeah. different complex. But what was that transition like for you personally? Well, the, to be honest with you, um, I, I love the college town. I, I love the atmosphere. When I got there, I got with Damon Griffin. Um, I got with Pat Johnson, Saladin McCullough. And I had an opportunity to get with some guys that were from California and they were able to settle me in. Outside of that, it was just, it was, it was college life. You know, there's nothing like Eugene where you look out the window and it's raining. You can put your Oregon issue on, put your hoodie on, your sweats. You walk into class, getting over there to the Mashoski Center for, for practice and for meetings. So um, it's one of the greatest college towns uh, in the world. You first get to Oregon, you are new on campus, you're new in town. What is that like for you to walk into the building Sunday, Monday morning, whenever it is, and now you're a part of the Oregon Duck football team? It, it was just a blessing, you know, to finally be there. You know, when, when, when um, Chris Peterson and Mike Bellotti showed me that we had the most wins in the Pac-10 at that time, and me and my family didn't know. Obviously, we probably were thinking USC or UCLA. And then they provided that information for us to be at the number one school in the pack. I mean, that was just an ultimate blessing, you know. And, you know, people still give us a hard time that we don't have a national championship just yet. But as far as being one of the top comp, one of the top teams in the Pac-10 and now Pac-12 conference, um, it's just an honor to be a part of it. Absolutely. We really wanted to have you on this week as we go into Wazoo because you had a very special season in 98 and that game in 98, Ruben drones, I think had three touchdowns and you guys blew up Wazoo. I think 51 to 29. What do you remember about that day? I remember, you know, the first play of the game, I believe we went deep to uh, Damon Griffin and that was pretty much just the, the start of it, you know, and one thing I'll say about Wazoo Leach is gone. I had an opportunity to watch them against Oregon State. Wazoo is Wazoo. They're always going to be tough. They're going to be scrappy. Um, it's not going to be an easy game. Um, I love our chances because of our defense and our secondary. Uh, I'm glad we got that first game under our belt, and I think we should be okay uh, this upcoming Saturday. In that game back in 1998, Akili, I don't want to – I don't want to make it sound like Rune Jones did everything. You went 18 for 22, almost 300 yards, three touchdowns. You played yourself a heck of a game that day. Was it something, was there something special in the era back then at that time? You were still undefeated at the time. It was the week before UCLA, a big game. What was going on for that team back in 1998 that got, that kept the wheels on the train rolling so well? I think the biggest thing was just in the beginning, it was Jeff Tedford, you know, Dirk Cutter was there. Um, I kind of struggled with the offense my junior year, but Tefford just had a way of just simplifying the offense. And once he simplified it for me, um, and then we got Ruben Drones and Bilotti pulled me to the side and practice because I wasn't paying to no mind. 
And he just said, Keely, you need to get to know this kid. We got something real special. And that's when I started to pay attention to Ruben Jones, although he was the number one running back in the nation. And still to this day, I tell Ruben all the time, you cost us the national championship because if you recall, we were driving to beat UCLA. And I told Ruben in the huddle, I said, Ruben, if you're headed out of bounds, make sure you get down. And then you can see Ruben, he broke. And he started running towards the sideline. And he remembered what I said. He tried to stay in bounds, and he broke his ankle. The next running back came in. I believe it was uh, Cooper. And ended up fumbling the football. We go to overtime, and we lose the game. So still to this day, I always clown with Ruben that you cost us the national championship because the Arizona game is the only game that we really got smacked. So we may have had an opportunity to still get in the ship. Now, since your time at Oregon, uh, you went on to the NFL, you went on to the World League and the CFL uh, for a little mm-hmm. bit. What are some experiences you took away from those that help you today? Well, the, the biggest thing is just dealing with a lot of different coordinators and a lot of different people. You know, you got to be able to talk to people, be able to be respectful towards people. You got to be able to manage your time correctly. And at the end of the day, you got to be able to keep your nose clean. And those those experiences over there is a lot of the stuff that I'm giving back to the kids because, you know, it's not it's not every day that somebody can say that they play football in three different continents. And I'm one of the few that can say that. You mentioned the kids. You work with young quarterbacks now to train them to prepare them for uh, the next level, whatever that might be for them. What made you first want to start working with the next generation? Really just the mistakes that I made, you know, um, you can't control what team you go, go to in the NFL. Um, I went to an organization at that time that just wasn't up to par with, you know, some of the organ- other organizations in the NFL, but I could have kept my nose clean in the off season. And I didn't do that. You know, I could have been a Carson Palmer who left Cincinnati and tried to resurrect his career I think he ended up getting like five or six more. Now we're looking at uh, Marcus Mariota doing the same. Uh, Gruden is allowing him to sit on the bench for a year, collect his thoughts, get all the way healthy, and then they're going to try to resurrect his career. That's what I wish I would have done, and um, I just didn't do it. So I'm trying to teach these guys how not to make those same mistakes that I made. In the NFL this year, we're seeing a lot of young quarterbacks, particularly Justin Herbert, really light it up. What do you look for in a young quarterback that really just separates elite-level talent? Well, the biggest thing is just decision-making and if he's panicking out there. And right now, he's he's sitting back in that pocket looking incredible. 6'6", making all the throws, uh, plenty of athleticism, uh, plenty of mobility. And although we're not winning games – um, I can truly say that we have our quarterback for the next 10 years. And that's half the battle. We still got teams in the NFL that's looking for a franchise quarterback. And we have our guy. So now it's just a matter of building around him in hopes of finally getting the Super Bowl. You can give Achille a follow on Twitter at Achille underscore Smith. Achille, one of the last things I want to ask you, We talked about it a little bit, but this upcoming game for Oregon, they have to travel up to the Palouse, play at Washington State, a difficult place to play usually, but now it's late in the year. It's going to be colder. There's projections of snow, maybe sleet up there. What is your prediction for this upcoming game for the Oregon Ducks? Uh, Like you said, it's going to be tough. Uh, Defense travels, and we got a nice run game. 
So once we fire that run game up, the play action is going to open up. And I see us winning by at least, you know, seven or eight points, getting out of there uh, healthy. Uh, it's going to boil down to uh, turnovers as well. We cannot turn the ball over up there in uh, Palouse and Pullman. So hopefully we can uh, make sure we secure the ball and let's get out of there with a victory. Awesome. Achille, one last question for you before we let you go. Uh, it's been a crazy season already. You know, even in the first week, we had two Pac-12 games canceled. Uh, what do you predict for the rest of the season for the Oregon Ducks? And if you see the Oregon Ducks uh, winning those games, do you think it will be enough to make a push to the, the playoffs this year? Yeah, I, I'm kind of I'm skeptical on that because, you know, you play seven games and you get the Pac-12 championship and you got some guys that's playing more games and then they're going to be off longer than others. You know, in the beginning, I was like, everybody should just play for their conference championship. And then that just, you know, be the end of the season because all the kids are getting their year back. But um, I'm curious to see what the committee does uh, with this upcoming playoff. Well, thank you very much. Uh, you're our first quarterback and uh, we're very happy to have a true icon like you on the show. Uh, thank you for coming on Once a Duck with us, Achille. Uh, thank you. Call me anytime, guys. I'm available. We absolutely will. We can't wait to get you back on the show again. Ladies and gentlemen, Achille Smith. All right, guys. Go Ducks. Go Ducks. Wow, man. I got to say, um, I've been blown away by our ability to get some of the guests. When we first put this podcast together, I wasn't quite sure, but getting Achille Smith, that was pretty awesome, Sam. Yeah, that's one that I am very happy we got done. Very happy that uh, I actually decided to sit down and send out some emails one day. I'm glad that that one was a response. Right? Seriously, it blows my mind. The show continues to grow. Um, you guys have been a huge part of that. You guys, the listeners and watchers and followers. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to say thank you again. Uh, we are going to continue to have some giveaways, some contests. Uh, we just gave away another $25 Nike gift card to Steve Kudor. Uh, we hope you uh, enjoy that. And uh, we just want to thank everyone. We're going to continue to do these giveaways. And uh, this week, it's going to be a little bit special. You have until Sunday at noon to uh, subscribe, send us proof that you're subscribed on YouTube and proof that you've shared the Once a Duck YouTube. And you will be entered to win this special teams play of the game shirt from the 2011 Washington State game. And no, it doesn't smell like it's that old. I don't think <laughs> so all you have to do to be entered to win that and, and it's in a 2xl i know you guys it's very important you're probably not going to want to actually wear this but all you have to do subscribe to the once a duck youtube send us proof either dm us at once a duck on twitter or the once a duck pod at gmail account you can email us your proof that you screenshotted you subscribed and shared the podcast. We want to continue to bring you great shows, great guests, and getting us more visibility can help us do that. It absolutely can. Now it's time for us to get to some fan questions, some questions that people asked us ahead of this Washington State Oregon game. Nick, I'll let you kick it off. Yeah, first coming to us on Facebook, which we've seen tremendous growth in our Facebook groups lately. Uh, Stephen Brady asked me about the offensive line, and he said, is it as difficult as they say to find cohesion along the line? Um, 
yeah, I think particularly um, that's one of those things in college that you really makes or breaks a lot of teams and, and you can see it right away with teams. Uh, even if you don't necessarily know exactly what the offensive line is doing, you can definitely tell when the running game is effective, when your quarterback feels nice and safe back there, that the offensive line is, is gelling and, and being a cohesive unit. And I think uh, while there's no necessary stat to show that, I think the biggest thing you can see, particularly with Oregon, is how much of a surge are they getting out front? How much push is the offensive line getting? How many penetrators are they allowing through? Because when you're a cohesive line, you're, you're not going to have too many guys getting penetration upfield. You're going to have everyone up front covered, and, and then you're going to get to the second level with not just um, you know, a, a, a tenacity, but a reckless abandon almost, because if you trust the guy next to you to do his job, you go that much harder, you fly up to the linebacker and, and you crush him. So uh, I don't know what it's like for you, Sam, but I think sometimes when you see really good offensive lines, there's just something that clicks. You can see it right away. I mean, I completely agree with you. I know nothing about the subject nearly as much as you do, Nick, but I can tell you that I think that it is one of those positions where you really do need to have everybody in sync, everybody, within the same mindset along that offensive line. I think that that cohesion is huge. I think that it is difficult to gain, but once it is gained, I think that it is tremendous moving forward and tremendously helpful to the team moving forward. Yeah, definitely. So, well, you know, while our Facebook group go, I, I saw we also got a couple questions on Twitter. Did, did any stand out to you that we should, we should address? There's one here, a great one from at another SF writer. Three-part question here. Number one, what are the three most important things Oregon must improve upon over week one. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that is the question. Number one, I'll start with this. It's something I mentioned a little bit earlier, kick coverage. Oregon has to make sure that their opponent is starting drives further back than the 30 yard line. You can't have that. You can't have the field only be 70 yards long. There's a reason it's a hundred yards. you got to force them to play as much of that as possible. Nick, I'll let you knock out the second. Hey, man, I've already been hitting on it a ton this episode. I'm going to steal it again here. Ball security. And and that and not just ball security on the offensive side, but defensively. Do you keep containment? You know, an entirely different sense of ball security. Are, are you containing your offense or your defensive assignment, whoever you're locked to, whatever your assignment is? How, you know, how glued into you are, do you, are you to the game plan or where the football is and how quickly are you getting there? think ball security is going to be huge in this game securing tackles it's just it, it, it's the turnover battle determines more games in football particularly on the road than any other stat in football the next part of this question how many sacks will the Oregon D get well what I'll tell you is that Oregon State against Washington State were only able to get one Oregon State does have a a premier pass rusher I think Oregon has a slightly better pass rush overall, though. And because of that, I think that Oregon could rack up two, maybe three this week, although their quarterback, Delora, is very mobile. Yeah, and, you know, the, the, the mobile quarterback thing can work a couple different ways. A guy that really tries to buy time too much can get himself into sacks that shouldn't even happen sometimes. So uh, that's something I'm interested to see, particularly, you know, maybe if the defense can get into his head, lay a couple licks. Do we see this quarterback really turn back into a freshman, uh, revert a little bit back to his first couple series, or is he somebody that's going to stand in there, uh, tough it out, and uh, overcome? And I, I really hope that we can find that out on Saturday. I would really like to see uh, particularly Kayvon Thibodeau uh, matched up with uh, a couple of their, you know, stud offensive linemen. I really like to see him get back there or, you know, a slim down Jordan Scott could get back to the, get back there and, and really cause some havoc. But I think it's going to be a big key to the game to, to get back there and just, 
yeah, get get some more sacks. Uh, we didn't get any pressure, or at least, yeah, did we in the against Stanford? But you know, they they were obviously a, a different outfit running the ball uh, a lot more than I think we're going to see on Saturday. Uh, but hey, you you don't know what to expect this season, but you do know that anytime you get pressure on the quarterback, good things happen. Absolutely. And you took something out of my mouth. I was going to mention Kayvon Thibodeau. I will predict that he will have his first sack of the season this upcoming weekend at Washington State. The last part of this question, Nick, and this is a really important part. Will at once a duck live stream you performing shout so we can all participate at home? Oh, wow, Sam. I, th- I think that's a that's a real good question. I haven't really put a lot of thought to that, but if that's what the fans want, we should give it to them. But we should merchandise it and we should probably put it on the Patreon account. How's that sound? I kind of like it. Uh, like, let us know if that's something you'd be interested in. Shout videos during the end of the third quarter on Patreon. <laughs> yeah, make people make people pay for their halftime show, Sam. I'm sure they'll like that. Oh, I'm sure that it'll be a little bit more entertaining than whatever is going on around the house. But you know what? That's for you all to judge and not us. What I can say, though, is that we will be happy to put on any kind of a show Duck fans want from us. It's what we're doing right now. I hear you, Sam. Well, you already had one prediction for Kayvon Thibodeau. It's it's getting to be prediction time overall. Do you got a final score for us? I do have a final score for us. I think that this is going to be a really difficult game not in terms of can Oregon get a win or not but just in terms of conditions in which you play a football game I think it's going to be tough I think that you're playing on the road your first road game it's in November it's in brutal environment uh, brutal weather I think that Oregon is able to do one thing really well though and it's something that Oregon State was able to do against Washington State as well and I think that that is going to be establish the run this will be a huge game for CJ Verdell if not the entire Oregon backfield. Jamar Jefferson against Washington State, 21 carries, 120 yards, three touchdowns. I think that's something, a very similar stat line to what we could see from at least one of the Oregon running backs, if not a collection of them. Maybe C.J. Verdell racking up the yards while Dai and Habibalikio are able to get themselves into the end zone a couple of times, as well as C.J. I think that Oregon is going to win this game on the back of their running backs, 35 to 21. I think this Washington State offense can do enough to score three touchdowns in this ball game. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of field goal kicking, especially in the weather that's going to be going on. 35-21, Oregon with the victory. Nick, what do you see happening this weekend? Yeah, you know, last week I uh, I went out and got uh, a little carried away, got uh, so carried away with my prediction that uh, I unfortunately uh, wished a miss upon our kicker, which I text to you and immediately regretted. Uh, just to get that 35 right in the offensive column. So uh, I've spent a lot of time, did a lot of uh, different algorithms to try and accumulate my final total score this week to continue my offensive consistency. So uh, I, I also don't think we're going to see quite the offensive output, but I don't see much of a decline. I have the game going 31-17 in the Ducks' favor. I actually have us kind of uh, coming out to a bit of a slow start. I bet it takes us a little bit to adjust to being on the road for the first time this season and being up in Pullman in the cold. But I think once our offense starts warming up and as long as we take care of the football that, yeah, as you said, I think our our run game really has the potential to open it up this season and, and look scary, If uh, particularly with all our backs. If, if they all come out and kind of give that little bit of flavor that they have in the running game, uh, it's going to be a tough day for any defense, let alone Washington State. 
I think Washington State is really going to struggle to stop the run. I think that the pass will be there at times. I don't expect Oregon to go crazy with it, especially because of the weather and everything going on. But I think that we could see Tyler Shuck let it loose a little bit, be able to pull the ball down, run with some more confidence. And overall, I'm just really excited to see this Oregon team get back out on the field. Do we have an official time yet for the game? By the time this comes out, obviously we will. But I'm not sure if one has necessarily been announced yet. No, 4 p.m. 4 p.m. Another another one afternoon kickoff. All right, that's exciting. 4 p.m. Is that the Fox game then? Yep, Fox is uh, is going to be it. No Pac-12 network. I think we're starting to learn in 2020 that uh, no football game ever again should have to be on that network. <laughs> I completely agree with you there. Let's leave national TV games as much as possible. The 4 p.m. game on Fox. You will be watching it or listening to it tomorrow. But please, tailgate with us if you haven't already. Trust us, it's going to be fun. Yeah, and we're really excited. Uh, we're going to continue to bring you great guests, great product. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have a really awesome guest next week I'm excited for. Uh, possibly a few, uh, maybe a couple episodes coming up here that uh, might have multiple guests. So keep on the lookout as always. Follow us. Uh, subscribe on YouTube, on SoundCloud, uh, anywhere you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Uh, as you can see, you can even ask Alexa now. Uh, I got to do that quietly or she's going she's gonna to start playing. But you can listen to the Once a Doc podcast virtually anywhere now. And, uh, you know, if you think Achilles Smith is our biggest guest this season, uh, I think you're going to be blown away. So uh, thank you for joining us. And as always, once a duck, always a duck. Go Ducks.